Hi, my name is Paul Leonard, and this is My Life Wildlife. I'm the supervisory ecologist for Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. I manage and oversee the biological program. The refuge was established basically to maintain healthy ecosystems, provide subsistence for users, provide recreational opportunities for the public, and provide clean water as an ecosystem service. I work with biologists and the other programs inside the Arctic Refuge to work on species of interest, landscapes of interest, to maintain our primary purposes of the Arctic Refuge. And we focus a lot specifically on species for which the refuge was created. And those species include things like doll sheep, porcupine caribou herd, and bears, for example. I grew up in central Kentucky, rolling hills, bluegrass country, and spent all of my time outdoors along streams, chasing frogs, salamanders, insects. I was always fascinated with wildlife from an early age, and one of my really lasting memories of that part of the world is summer sunsets with lightning bugs and katydids and crickets and the cacophony of insects and frogs at, at night in the spring is just uh, remarkable. I finished my undergraduate degree. I was actually in school in South Carolina at the time. I actually thought I was going to be a geneticist. I was really interested in human genetics, but started an internship in Fairbanks in 2005 working for the BLM and was able to do some really, really incredible field work that year, flying around the Brooks Range, chasing doll sheep, doing uh, fish surveys, doing bird surveys. I got this glimpse into what a professional wildlife career could look like. And after that year, I think that changed the trajectory of my life. And I went on to pursue graduate school years later and eventually a uh, position opened up here in Fairbanks after I finished my postdoc or as I was finishing my postdoc. And I decided to apply and I was offered the position. My first memory of being in Alaska is just feeling really, really, really small. For the first time in my life, being overwhelmed by the wildness of it. Every time I would get just a little bit out of town, I'd feel like I was in de facto wilderness, whether I was floating a river, even a river close to town just has that sense of isolation and danger, really. Back in those days in 2005, cell phone reception was very limited even around town. So you could get yourself into trouble rather quickly if you weren't careful. And that, that element of it was new to me. At the refuge right now, we have a long-term project working on tundra nesting birds at the Canning River Delta as well as kind of fulfilling our international treaties with the porcupine caribou herd, which is the largest caribou herd in North America. And in addition to that, we're, we have a number of uh, smaller kind of year-to-year -year type projects that we're working on. One that I'm really excited about that we just started this year is trying to document the presence of a rare and enigmatic songbird, uh, gray-headed chickadee which uh, was formerly thought to be common in localized places in the refuge, and now it's, it's become increasingly scarce and hard to find. 
It's thought to be an old world species and the subspecies that's endemic to North America only occurs in this very narrow band and we think that the Arctic Refuge might be the last stronghold for that species, especially in the eastern part of the state. And so it's an opportunity for our refuge biologists to really focus on a species that's understudied and very little understood. I think that climate change is one of the hypotheses that we're going to pursue. Another one of the hypotheses is that they could be hybridizing with the boreal chickadee, which we suspect could be expanding its range due to climate change and outcompeting gray-headed chickadees for uh, nest cavities. Many people think of the Arctic Refuge as this untouched place, this pristine wilderness. It is being impacted by global change. and in some ways changing faster than many other places. So we're really interested in understanding what those impacts look like. There's multiple communities that are kind of nested around and inside the Arctic Refuge, and we work with those communities on a, a number of topics that range from the management of individual species to access to private lands that pass through public lands to things that are more pressing and of national significance. I think oftentimes folks further south may think of some of these communities as being monolithic, but they're actually quite diverse in opinion and thought and background. And one of the things that we're really interested in here at the refuge is trying to find solutions that work for multiple communities, both on the north slope of the coastal plain, like Koktovik, all the way south to Arctic Village and Venatai. The best part about my job is of course this opportunity to have a larger impact. I think the thing that that drew me to public service, especially in Alaska, was just the scale of the place in which we work. From a philosophical point of view, we have a opportunity to learn something from one of the last great wildernesses in North America and that has far-reaching implications for migratory species but also for ideas around protected areas and just how diffuse of an impact climate change has and what that means to the plants and animals and places that we care about. Not just individual species, but whole landscapes. And because the Arctic Refuge is a breeding ground for migratory birds and one of the, sees one of the last great terrestrial migrations in this hemisphere, we can observe those changes through time, those impacts, to help us get a better understanding of localized decisions. The thing I like most about Alaska is just that I get to study healthy, functioning ecosystems for the most part. I spent a lot of my graduate career working in the southeastern part of the United States where habitat fragmentation and land use change are huge drivers of change for flora and fauna and the distribution and the movement of those critters and here those impacts we have of course we have global scale change impacting the refuge but we don't have the same type of change we don't have really habitat fragmentation happening at that pace and we don't have land use change happening at that pace so what we see is that most of these ecosystems are still functioning largely the way they have and that allows us to get a glimpse into what healthy landscapes really looks like. And Alaska is full of that type of opportunity, beside the fact that it's just amazingly beautiful. In July this year, 
I went up with one of our biologists to collect diet information for the porcupine caribou herd and flying around in the Saddle Rochet Mountains just on the coastal plain, the kind of southern part of the coastal plain in the Brooks foothills and seeing large um, groups of caribou that had just dropped their calves and uh, were actively foraging. I have one really, really distinct memory of sitting up on a peak in the uh, foothills of the Brooks Range overlooking about 4,000 caribou and just watching them peacefully go about their business while we ate lunch and being able to see for 30 miles out to the Beaufort Sea and putting these, from that perspective, these little caribou into, into the context of the landscape was just an uh, awe-inspiring scene and a really lasting memory for me from this summer. One of the real highlights from the trip was watching red-throated loons forage on the river, which is a behavior that I, I had not observed before. It has a, obviously, a red throat and kind of a, a, a slate gray kind of cap and uh, nape. And it has a slightly upturned bill, which is a unique characteristic for loons. It's one of the ways you can kind of identify it. Usually you see that species in lagoons when they're breeding or in lakes as they're passing through. But watching them actually swim up and down the river and forage, and I get to see 13 red-throated loons engaging in this behavior, and that kind of sparked a new interest in that species for me. I feel a lot of gratitude and very humble when I'm in wild places, and mostly that's in a, a setting where there are no human-constructed items. There's no human-made noise. I think for most people, getting a, an experience like that is really challenging. It takes a lot of time, effort, and money and planning to have an experience like that. And living in Alaska, we can do that by a simple, you know, 10-minute drive in lots of cases. Everything from southeastern Alaska to the north slope of Alaska has something unique and beautiful to offer. And there aren't many people in most of those places, so you can have a have a kind of wildness experience, in some cases a wilderness experience if you seek that out, that is really second to none in the United States. Alaska and the Arctic Refuge specifically because it's so far north has a lot of challenges in front of it. A lot of change, landscape scale change, is likely to happen. In some places in more southerly parts of the state, these kind of transitions in ecosystems and ecotones are happening and are being observed and studied. But despite all of that change, I'm really hopeful for the Arctic Refuge. It's been heartwarming to see the public response and engagement in some of the issues that have happened in the refuge in the last four or five years. And it reminds me and it inspires me just how important of a place the Arctic refuges in the American psyche. Most people will never have the privilege to visit the refuge. And we all know that, we all appreciate that. But I feel a weight of responsibility to share the beauty, the magnificent landscapes, the wildlife, the stories, both from the people who live there and the people who get to work there. I think there's something in all of us, whether it's what E.O. Wilson called biophilia, 
this this desire to be close to nature, this innate desire, or whether it's something more philosophical, like the value of wilderness. I think there's a diversity of thought on this, and I just feel really hopeful that the Arctic Refuge will maintain this place in the American psyche. This has been My Life Wildlife, a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. Producers Lisa Hupp and Chris Pacheco. Produced and story edited by David Hoffman for Citizen Race Car. Audio editing, sound design, and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Artwork by Michelle Lawson. In Alaska, the employees of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are shared stewards of world-renowned natural resources and our nation's last true wild places. The lands and waters of this place we call home nourish a vast and unique array of fish, wildlife, and people. Our hope is that each generation has the opportunity to live with, live from, discover, and enjoy the wildness of this awe-inspiring land and the people who love and depend on it.